Weirdo Weirdo Bookworms Unite! Unite. Do your reading tastes range from dystopian sci-fi to middle-grade fantasy? Dark psychological thrillers to gory body horror? From YA paranormal swords and sorcery? Extraterrestrials? Murder? Mayhem! And beyond! Then we want to share our love of reading with you. Welcome home. Hey, genre junkies, it's Sandra, and um, we gave Scott the day off from recording. Instead, we have a special guest star. She's back. You know her. You love her. It's time to talk fairies with Amanda. Hi, everybody. She's back. You haven't been here in a in an age. Yeah, no, it's, it's been a minute. In a fey age. Uh-oh, that's, that's long. In a fairy age. So we brought Amanda back because it's time to discuss The Stolen Air by Holly Black. This is a novel of Elfame. We've done all of the other Holly Black novels of Elfame. We've done some Sarah J. Moss, which we've got to catch up on because the it's so hot on the ticky-tocky. So we got to get back into that. But before we talk fairies, <laughs> Amanda... Why don't you share with the class some things you've been enjoying that maybe some other people might like too? Well, hey, thanks for the ask. Uh, I had no idea this question was coming. <laughs> uh, one of the things that I love, this one actually came out some months back. It was in 2022, I believe. Um, but uh, there's a, a version out there of Persuasion that is Jane on Austin. Netflix. Jane Austen Zone. Persuasion being basically my favorite book ever mm. certainly my favorite of the Jane Austen verse right um but they uh did this wonderful version that stars uh Dakota Johnson and uh it's it, maybe it's not exactly you know to the page yeah. <laughs> correct as far as the original text goes but it's uh it captures the spirit of it the fun of it mm. in a way that I've never seen persuasion actually be filmed. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, I've seen many versions of it, and there are lots of wonderful things out there They're about dry. it. Dry, uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, Jane Austen's pretty dry, and this <laughs> is one of her. Uh, I think this might have been her last completed novel that she did. Oh, um, so she'd really kind of come into her own as an as an author by then. But uh, anyway, it's. Uh, I think it might be one of her shortest ones too. Oh, but it's a great story, and I really think that they did a wonderful job of kind of reimagining it on screen for that one what else (laughs) it's not that's not enough for you (laughs) um uh let's see um i mean not that that's not enough but something else you just you just gotta share well (laughs) okay so i'm way late to the party on this one (laughs) okay but abbott elementary is really funny you're you're way late i'm later i'm non-existently there i want to watch this program it's i think it's worthwhile i mean it's it's cute little uh, little short bits of tasty comedy delight. <laughs> and I it's re- won, I really it's won all it. the awards. It has. It's so, and and I, it wasn't that I was avoiding it. I just, you know, everybody's got a really deep cue. <laughs> yeah. And so I just hadn't gotten there. And then one day I was just like, you know what? Let's give this a shot. Let's just see. And thank goodness I did. <laughs> Because really, it was it's 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 worth a watch. I think. Plus, I mean, they're short episodes. It's like 
22 minutes an episode or something so it's worth giving it a try like you've got nothing to lose here people you have literally nothing to lose i like it um i watch scott and i both watch and so this is from both genre junkies an endorsement of the film the unbearable weight of massive talent am i saying that right yeah with everybody's favorite pedro pascal and nick Nick Cage. I almost said Nick Jonas. Nick Cage. It <laughs> is so freaking funny. Like, I was telling Amanda, we had to like pause it at times because we're just laughing so unbelievably hard. Painfully funny. Painfully funny movie. I cannot recommend it enough. I can't wait to watch it. Yeah, you gotta watch it. <sighs> okay, so without further ado, let's talk about The Stolen Air by Holly Black. So, as I mentioned, we have talked about the other novels of Elfheim. Technically, this is a new story, kind of independent from that first trilogy. Um, I think you could read this without having read the first three because she does a good job of recapping you. But why would you punish yourself like that? You should read all of the books Holly Black has ever written because she is brilliant. She's magic. Yeah. Embodied. Yeah, she even has surgically pointed ears because she is a fairy and she's a lovely person. So you will get more out of it because these characters, for the most part, have been introduced in the other books. But, um, you know, as per usual, we're going to do a spoiler free section and then we'll talk spoilers after after that. But, um, yeah, it will it will help you. It will behoove you to have read the other novels of Elfheim. Look at this pretty cover. It's got a little fox on it. That's gorgeous. Okay, here's how it goes. Eight years have passed since the Battle of the Serpent, but in the icy north, Lady Nor of the Court of Teeth has reclaimed the Ice Needle Citadel. There she is using an ancient relic to create monsters of stick and snow who will do her bidding and exact her revenge. Surin, child queen of the Court of Teeth and the one person with power over her mother, fled to the human world. There she lives feral in the woods, lonely and still haunted by the merciless torments she endured in the Court of Teeth. She bides her time by releasing mortal from foolish bargains. She believes herself forgotten until the storm hag Bogdana chases her through the night streets. Surin is saved by none other than Prince Oak, the heir to Elfheim she was once promised in marriage and whom she has resented for years. Now 17, Oak is charming, beautiful, and manipulative. He's on a mission that will lead him into the Ice Needle Citadel, and he wants Surin's help. But if she agrees, it will mean guarding her heart against the boy she once knew and a prince she cannot trust, as well as confronting all of the horrors she thought she left behind. Oh, this is a duology. I thought there was three. Oh, that's really heartbreaking. Oh. Maybe, okay, maybe since this blurb was written, return to the opulent world of Elfheim filled with intrigue, betrayal, and dangerous desires with this first book of a captivating new duology. No, I wanted there to be three. Two. But, you know, things things can change. You never know. And maybe I'm really hoping that that means we'll get other novels of Elfheim as well. Why not? She's created this amazing little universe so yeah you can write stories about anybody there just keep it going yeah um so of course there's a gorgeous map in the front of the book a gorgeous map her maps and her illustrations at every title head and also like page breaks there's like the rapier sword there's a little fox by every page at the top um 
gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous map depicting where we go on our on our little trek with the friends. And the friends are even depicted in their precious. Manda, what was your experience reading uh, The Stolen Air? Just a treat. A treasure. Well, I think I fold pretty neatly into the old... Uh, the whole obsession Same. part of it. Same. <laughs> it's, you know, it's like, it's uh, I'm just like, I want to eat this book. <laughs> I know, me too. I want to take like a, a knife and just cut us a little square each of this book to eat. I, is that is that a problem? Is that a crime? <laughs> Can I just... I just want to take it and carry it around forever. Oh all, all of them. <laughs> all of them. I agree. Oh my God. These books, they make me feel alive. <laughs> no joke so i'm obsession too what was it like for you to return to elfheim and did you cry it's like seeing an old friend you haven't seen for for some time right. and yes of course of course cried me too but it's like you just pick right back up where you where you left off yeah i will have to say this one was um was a little challenging because yeah eight years has passed so now oak is 17 she's 18 i think she's a little bit older than him which is always a fun little twist in a fantasy book she's like never older right right no yeah um they do a few of those and we'll we'll talk about them but um so that was kind of like jarring and then of course there's mention of some of our characters jude Carden. Um, and so that's really emotional because you, I love them so much. Me too. I mean, and let's not forget Maddox and all this. Like, <gasps> oh my gosh. Everybody's favorite red cap. So in this house, we are Maddox apologists. He is who he is. He's a red cap. He's bloodthirsty. That does not mean he does not love. <laughs> that's true. Well, he's got a soft spot for kids. This we know. Yeah. From the literally the uh, intro yeah. to the very first book in this this particular version of the world. Yeah, he's um he's a good guy, but fairies, the fae, the folk, they are not like us. They're not humans. They have different sets of morals and things that they do and how they operate and different species within the fae. Like, like again, he's a red cap. Like, they're all about gore and bloodshed and fighting and strategy and war making. That's their thing. But that doesn't mean that that's all there is to him. But that is who he is. Absolutely. And and I have to just full disclosure here. Uh, I hadn't actually heard the term red cap before I read that first book. So I thought it was entirely Holly Black's invention. Yeah. I'm to find out later on, like, no, no, this is. It's a whole thing. This is a time-tested piece of lore. Um, yeah, it's really fun. Like, whenever she brings up a new type of fae, I always go right to Google. Be if I hadn't heard of it. And there was a few in this book that I was like, oh, who's it? What's it now? And I wanted to know, like, what that was. So I really loved Surin when we were introduced to her. Oh, yeah. And she, you know, it's kind of funny because one of the things I liked about her is that she's kind of creepy in the first book. And there's even a part where Jude says something like, we're not promising Oak to this creepy girl or something. And, of course, I loved that. But, you know, what's really funny is there's a part in this book where Surin remembers her calling her creepy and it hurt her feelings. And I'm like, fuck, because <laughs> that was me, too. And she wasn't she was just creepy because she had been basically made to be feral. Oh, yeah. She was. I mean, they horribly uh, abused. I don't want to get too far into anything, but yeah. we already knew she was abused. Yeah. I mean, she's wearing this bridal thing when we first see her in the she original has book. She has that chain through her bones. And yeah. Stuff too. Like, that's that's pretty intense. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, she does come off as kind of spooky, scary, like 
this is not really a little kid. This yeah. is something else that's going on here. That wasn't true. She's just a good kid. <laughs> and now she's a good young adult. <laughs> what did you call it, Manda? You called this the... Oh, uh, uh, what I loved was there are some uh, moments in here that it's f- fairly early on of kind of like flashbacks. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, like from when they were kids still, um, kid kids. <laughs> Yeah. Um, Surin and Oak and them basically, you know, playing, talking, having interactions, and then having all of the craziness with Jude and Carden and everybody all kind of happening almost in the background for them. Mm-hmm. Because it's like a very Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. Yes. Kind of, yes. Like we're sort of witnessing this, but very much from the outside. And them being kids, of course, they, they didn't really know what was going on, too, at least not too much. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I thought that that part was really a neat little way to kind of still include them in all of that stuff. Right. Without with with justification for, of course, while they're they're just kids. So. Right. Nobody's really paying a lot of attention to them. Yeah. They can sneak off and kind of have other plot kind of going on at the same time. And that was really fun. Um, I've always liked Oak. I've always liked Oak. You have too, huh? Of course. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's a little, little, uh, he's a little trickster fox. He's a bit of a scamp, isn't he? Yeah. (laughs) He's he's really come into his trickster nature. Uh And we learned some things about him that are some more little parts of his character that I think make him really interesting and really against type, like that you would expect from your romantic male fairy lead. Absolutely. And, you know, that's something that I love that Holly Black does with everything I've read from her. It's that uh, people, be they fairy or human or whatever, are more complicated than they seem. Yes. Like there's always more to the story. And I think that just creates, it just helps this like really rich environment just blossom. Yeah, I I totally agree. Um, And Ren, she goes by Ren now, not so much Surin. She has had a very tough life and we get her whole backstory in this book. And we see like, dang, we thought it was bad. It was actually worse. (laughs) And um, she looks really cool. And she does not look like, again, your typical fairy princess no. thing, which we also love that that's great yeah no we do however when you also have cool like she has the lightest blue they say it's like milk blue her yeah. skin and she has dark blue hair and then she has like what is it? it's like green eyes I feel like they say it's like moss it's something like that like it's really an yeah, alarming mo- green. i think so i think moss is the word that and then she has a mouthful of razor sharp teeth yeah well she's from the court of teeth bad bitch like she just looks so cool and so different than the typical girl you'd follow around in a fantasy novel who doesn't know how pretty she is and she's also not like the other girls and she's really tough. Oh, and- no, she's in the corner of the club reading a book. Like it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> we we didn't have to break the mold there. But uh, no, this one is great because, yeah, it, again, she's more complicated yeah. than she seems. Um, I also feel, and this is my personal opinion, that Holly Black has been having queer characters in her books for a long time. And before, I think a lot of people started to be more, I don't know, comfortable or open doing that. And there's some queer representation in here as well, which is just wonderful. Absolutely. It's just I so love wonderful. It. Yeah. So, I mean, it kind of goes without saying, like, maybe you and I wouldn't peg these books as necessarily mass appeal, but definitely pretty broad. 
Yeah. I mean, it's the thing is like, it, once you kind of you're in a fantasy world, then yeah. it, you, know, you know, you kind of know what you're signing up for. So right. within that, I would say it is uh, a mass appeal. Yeah. But yeah, la larger story being told, like, yeah, maybe not everybody's going to pick it off the shelf. That's not your thing. Okay, whatever. Right. Very much our thing. Very much our thing. And if you're even vaguely interested in fantasy and the fae, <laughs> like, I think you'll get something out of it. Something that's really, really, really cool about her books and absolutely happens in this book is, first of all, her wonderful description of food. Oh, yeah. She's like the queen of it. Oh, if an author can do that, you, 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 I'm halfway there already. <laughs> halfway there already. So fairy is a very opulent, decadent... Um, <sighs> I, it's like crusty. The world is crusty. It is because these these little beings are like they're they're sort of they're just dark the way that they, yeah. they, they think and they interact. You know, there's this cool thing about like the part of uh, the conceit of the story is that fairies can't lie. Yes, but that doesn't mean they can't manipulate. Yeah, they doesn't dance mean around. They can't yeah. yeah figure out a way around lying. But that 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 makes it even more interesting. Yeah. So you have the the crazy world of fairy, which it like honestly just like thinking about this world like makes my heart beat fast. I know yours two are such storks for it. Like I you know, we know about the kind of the wild fae, the other fae. And they kind of like they don't even play the courtly games. Yeah, they're not know? interested in politics. They're just, they're just out there being fox people. Like it's so <laughs> fucking cool. And so then you have like, you know, little thimbles of honey wine that like could kill a mortal. But one of the cool things about how Holly Black does her books is she weaves in our modern day human world and mortals who have found themselves in fairy and also our fae they go back and forth between the veils and it's like the audacity of Holly Black the <laughs> audacity like for them to go to 7-Elevens <laughs> like there's a part where Tiernan gets some some ramen, some cup of noodles, and he's like, "Oh, can introduce me to this mortal delicacy," and it's like that's so funny. But like they know what like microwaves are and stuff. Absolutely, I mean the very first uh, book in the Jude series, yeah, yeah, Will or Folk of Bear, Folk of yeah, Bear, yeah. Bear, yeah. yeah. Um, the, I mean it starts out with her eating fish sticks. I mean, like, it's very grounded in, in the familiar. Grounded. That is what I'm looking for. That was the term I was looking for. So um, one thing that's also really cool about Ren's story is we get to spend some more time in some worlds we haven't been to. We get to see some different fey interactions in the human world you know um there's like we learn more about some fey that like to mess with mortals in the mortal world we learn about um the undry market we learn about the court of moths which i love oh, moths yeah. where's my phone case there's moths on my phone it's case literally on her phone people <laughs> I love moths. Um, and that was really cool. They've got an interesting little underground world going on there. And you just never know if any fae, any folk you meet are going to be friend or foe. Yeah, you pretty much can just call them foe. <laughs> <laughs> just assume they're they probably up to, won't help you. They're out to achieve their own ends. 
you know, they're, they're, uh, yeah, they're not, like I said, they're not playing by our rules. No, you can't judge them by a human standard. No. And if you find yourself in fairy, get out. <laughs> don't eat or drink anything. Nope. Don't. Nope. Don't make any bargains. Well, Persephone made that mistake. <laughs> what happened there? So, yeah, there's a wonderful little fox kind of theme running throughout this book, which makes my heart really happy. Um, and we get to learn a little bit about what some of the characters have been up to that we met before. But um, at its heart, this truly is Ren and Oak's story. And that's really cool. That's yeah. really cool. They're strong enough to lead this story on their own. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and it's it's like it's the book you didn't realize you needed. Yes. In this world. But it's like, yeah, well, time marches on for everybody, even if you're immortal. <laughs> it is going to pass. All right. I think we've got to move to the spoiler section. What do you think? <gasps> I agree. Okay. All right, everybody. Thank you for joining us for the first half where we just dished about the fae now we're gonna get a little specific and a little spoilery hey bookworm buddy don't forget subscribe rate and review and while you're at it find us on instagram at genre junkies okay so this is the spoiler section where we're basically just gonna talk more about how much we love this <laughs> love it. we love it so so much that's your spoiler so, right there so we knew going into this that there was going to be at least another book i thought there was two i thought there was as well but i mean i think i I tripping we should look that up um but there's it, at least it could one. just be wishing and hoping so you kind of know everything's not going to be tied up and there's going to be some new troubles that come up. However, I, I still think Holly Black did a really good job of leaving us on a, a satisfying cliffhanger. I agree completely. I think yeah. we I think she earned it. So I am going to guess that one of your favorite characters to be introduced was Bogdana. I love the storm hag. You're you're Bogdana. Yeah, I'm a I'm a I'm a Bogdana for Prez <laughs> kind of person. Um, she just she's deliciously uh, just to say it again, just deliciously dark. Who doesn't love a hag? I, I don't want to meet him. Yeah, <laughs> whoever there's they also are. Thistle Witch in here, so you get kind of like two hags for the price of one. But Bogdan is really who we know. Yeah, absolutely, and she's again just more complicated than she seems. Yeah, um, she's got cool power. She looks freaking crazy, cool, and scary. Yeah, she's got like long, spindly fingers, right? And knife nails, knife nails. Yeah, yeah, we like that. Yeah, and you're not quite sure for a large part of the book, like whose side she's on right like, but she seems to kind of be on ren's side no matter what and is kind of always present in her life yeah and i, I think she's uh we talked about this a little bit before but the uh i think that she's the only person who showed ren anything even getting up close to kindness when she was a child besides oak Besi besides oak but before that yeah. um in the bridal days <laughs> oh my god that fucking bridal i hate that thing she's made a wonderful just awful little piece of something there yeah it's so it's so violent and gross and therefore awesome <laughs> yeah well because it's such a device and it yeah wields such power so let's talk about ren she was changeling yep the whole time she was changeling. um so she gets to the human world and she was fostered and then adopted by a lovely family who she learned to call her unfamily because of she'd just be like 
you know, they'd beat the shit out of her anytime she called them her family. Right. And she was there for seven years and they loved her and she thought she was just a person. Yeah, she even had a big sister who looked out for her and stuff. And she loved her mom and dad and they did all the things. And then suddenly, (laughs) no, um, you're actually going to get captured and taken away. And it was a horrible, like, sort of something happened, like they glamored her parents a little bit. Yeah, to turn them against her so that she would go with them. Yeah. And she gets hauled off to be, you know, at first she's treated like this wonderful princess, but then it's like when they realize she's not controllable, then they don't treat her nicely anymore. Yeah, they don't like her. It's probably like two weeks they treated her nicely. And then they abuse her psychological and, like, emotional and mental torment and physical, all the things. Yeah. It's amazing that she made it through in one piece. But again, not human. Not human, exactly. And so then, after everything that went down in the Folk of Air books, she has this power over her mother, but she's so lost and confused and frightened, she... Yeah, runs off and hides. Yeah, and it's like again, there'd be books where you'd think that like, oh, isn't she just going to be like, like immediately a badass and stuff? And she's a badass in her way, but it's like no, it makes sense that she'd be like, I don't know where I belong. I don't know where I fit into this whole thing. And she's trying so hard to just live on the the boundary of the human world, which is I think relatable for a lot of us. But you know, it it takes however much time it takes for you to come into your power yeah in this case literally but (laughs) sometimes it's figurative and she like eats the garbage out of the family home yeah it's like she she just can't quit them and i just can imagine all those times she's sitting outside the school the classroom and listening and like learning oh it's so painful and like um you know, Bex later says she thought she was a ghost because she'd see her kind of around the house, but not really see her. Sure. Yeah. And um, it looks like there's an opening here for her to have some closure or some relationship with her unfamily. Absolutely. And yeah. and I wouldn't mind reading Bex's book. <laughs> yeah. Bex's book. Bex's book. Um, so one of the things that I like, too, is we were got introduced to what she did, I don't know, for fun <laughs> in the mortal world for like eight years or whatever, is she became really good at undoing curses. Yeah, which I think that was kind of a neat little uh, device. All of her things are about kind of freeing from imprisonment in some way. She literally frees prisoners in the book and she frees these mortals from these um, little bonds, especially with the glass dig. And I'm sorry if I'm not saying that right, but I love that glass dig. Bad bitch, bad bitch. And um, but like that there's a whole mythos around her. People think she's the devil. Yeah. Love that. So that's a big look into Ren's character. She wants things to be free. So, um, Ren, of course, Oak. Ugh, we love wonderful. Oak. I love him. You love uh, you love the foxkin anyway. I but, love the foxkin anyway. Liked, you liked Oak from the beginning. He was such a cute one. little baby, and he was kind of mischievous and kind of bad, but he didn't mean to be. I love tricksters. It's like one of my favorite mm-hmm. archetypes. Probably my favorite archetype. Um, so how much do we love it? Again, she's older than him. She's the spooky looking one instead of the older, brooding, spooky looking man fairy. And then at the <laughs> jumping way ahead, but she imprisons him. Always in these books, it's the women getting imprisoned and falling in love with their captor. 
I'm not looking directly at the author, but we all know who we're talking about. <laughs> uh, fairy dicks. Fairy. <laughs> a lot of fairy dicks. Um, and others, and others. All kinds of dicks. Yeah. It's that, you know, it's that Hades Persephone, which we love. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, yeah. who doesn't love Beauty and the Beast? It's yeah. okay. A lot of people don't love it, but... <laughs> But I'm saying, you know, it, there's a reason why it's stuck around for a while. It's yeah. The, you know. But it's kind of nice that it's the girl that's the one that's a little scary, a little unpredictable. There's something kind of scary and unpredictable about Oak, too, which I wasn't expecting. I knew he was going to have a dark side. Me too, but I, they, she did such a great job of... Uh, setting him up to be this like golden boy um, oh, yeah, hero thing perfect so it's charmer. Like, when it turns out that everything's not the way it appears yeah it's very satisfying yeah and in fact he has a bloodlust yeah and um this is <laughs> this is maybe kind of weird but you know you draw parallels and representation in books and for somebody like myself doesn't drink anymore this <laughs> idea that once he gets started he can't stop I was yeah. like, I see that. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I see that. I know what that feels like. Same thing. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, and you can appreciate that his dark side is um, something he tries to control, but it's it's hard. Just like any addiction. It's Just like very addiction. hard to do. How do we feel about Tiernan and Hyacinth, and do we want them to get back together? Uh, yes, yes, and yes. <laughs> I mean, I it, I I love it. I like their whole uh, their dichotomy. Their we'll start cross lover, yeah, type of thing. Yeah. Um, I feel like Oak has never let go of his crush on Ren, and I love that. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think that's probably been a very defining part of his character as he's growing up. Yeah. Um. But uh, yeah, man, yeah. Well, and like something th that also really stuck out to me in this book is like Ren's really let herself go. <laughs> and I mean that like literally she's caked in dirt. Um, but Oak isn't like judgmental of her. It's almost like he understands a little. Yeah. And he's not it's like he's not surprised. He's not miffed. He's not anything. Yeah. And there's not some like really cheesy moment where she gets clean and suddenly he's like, oh, my God, I knew you were under there. <laughs> Hold on. Yeah, no. Yeah. Instead, he just accepts her for what she is. Yeah. Which part of that is going to have to just be being a fairy. Yeah. But everybody looks better when they shower. <laughs> I mean, I think it's probably a good thing not to smell someone from across the room. Yeah. And don't Unless wear that's rags. that's really intentional. Don't wear rags anymore, maybe. Don't wear the rags. Go ahead and put the rags away. Put them in the bin. <laughs> Oh my god, the the lady in the 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 court seamstress in the court of moths who gives her, her fucking awesome dress and we love it when like a character gets a dress, right? And it's like it's so them. It's like they just saw into their soul. I mean the perfect dress. We love that. I'm still looking for my perfect dress. Same, same. And when she's like, Where's my clothes? She's like, the rags? <laughs> like, no, we're not getting the rags back. <laughs> Like, I understand it's a comfort item, yeah. but we're going to have to let that go. <laughs> I love that she steals a pair of her scissors, too. Like, take well, these. Could be useful. Um, we also get a Kelpie in this book. Which, who doesn't love a Kelpie? I kept calling him Jake of the Lakes <laughs> instead of Jack of the Lakes because it rhymes. <laughs> Jake of the Lakes. Yeah. Jake of the Lakes. I mean, hopefully Holly Black won't mind too much. Um. 
Also, funny thing, I always called her Lady Nore. See, and I, I call her Lady Nor. See, but I, it, you know, and I'm saying it like that's Amore. <laughs> like, uh, but Nor. I mean, yeah, I just I like that it sounds like you know Nor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like she's automatically like something. You don't want. I feel like we personally need to write Holly Black a thank you card because I feel like she listened to us and gave us Titch the Owl-Faced Hob as a main character. <sighs> Sweet meat. Which, uh, yeah, I mean, how, how, great, how great is Titch? Just the name. <laughs> yeah, it's the perfect name for that character. I mean, she really hit the nail on the head there. Owl-Faced Hob. Yeah. That's so precious. Makes you wonder what other kinds of faced hobs there are. <laughs> a cricket-faced hob? Sure, although a Wolverine I face top. most people probably wouldn't recognize a cricket face <laughs> like, if it's not attached to the rest of the cricket. <laughs> what are you? A um, face top. Oh my god! One of um, something else I love is she has a description of somebody's hair, and I think she calls it celery colored. Yes, and it's like, can't you see? And it's that stringy celery, like yes. that you like to. Eat. No, you immediately. Oh, I love celery. I mean, I like celery. Like I'll tolerate Step it. Up into my office. Let's talk about celery. You seek out celery, so I knew that the celery face. I'm not celery even, face. <laughs> celery I'm not even stop. kidding you. Had celery this morning <laughs> to get ready for this episode. Well, you know, you have to be prepared. There is also a knight, a lady knight that has rose-colored hair. I loved that. Yeah, that's. I mean, she's just great with her descriptions yeah. anyway. But uh, it's 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 a treasure. And um, the trolls and the court of teeth are very kind of Norse, kind mm-hmm. of Sami as well, kind of you know Icelandic. You know, we've got reindeer. Yeah. We've got, well, trolls. And that was kind of cool because I like seeing different parts of the fairy world kind of expressed. Me too. Like yeah. the, the world is bigger than Jude. Yep. <laughs> the world is bigger than, uh, oh, I'm skipping on his name, but he was the boy who was asleep in the woods. Oh, we love him. Yeah. I'm, I'm That's sorry. That's a different series. But, it, but it's all L-fame though. Yeah. Oh my God! What's his name? Not remembering it right uh, now. To, to, to the darkest part of the forest. Yeah, that's a great Holly Black book. But yeah, and he makes an appearance as he well. Does. Yeah. Um. Well, and I loved going to the undersea. Mm-hmm. That was so amazing in the past books, and we're getting tipped off that there's bad things happening under. Did you catch that? Because like the queen is fading and like her daughter who we know wants her power but it seems like you know it's one of those things it's a game of thrones right because now everybody's gonna want the throne down there uh, well absolutely yeah so i just it's always so exciting the different places that she takes us yeah the sky's the limit and then not even the sky um, this one I think has a little bit less political machinations behind the throne, but there is some game playing going on. Sure, but just, it was, so much of it is really about, like you said, about the two of them, about Oak and Ren, and so it's it's less about that the whole jostling for power thing. They have their secrets. Yeah, yeah, They've got their own stuff going on. So that's that's kind of cool because that was one thing I think surprised a lot of people about the other folk of Air book is they weren't expecting it to be so high fantasy in that way. Sure. Yeah. yeah. It's it sounds like it's all just going to be fairies and whimsy. It's like no, fairies are a lot like people. 
Yep. It's nice to know that the Court of Shadows goes on. Yeah, that's that's lovely. Like that's that's callback. <laughs> um mentioned the bomb, of course, bomb and roach. The bomb is the bomb, man. The bomb is the bomb. <laughs> so where are we going in the second book? <sighs> Hopefully nowhere good. <laughs> well, she's got oak in a cage. <laughs> Sure. But they got to get together. He deserves it, though. Like That was a big lie. He needs a little humbling, though, don't you think? Well, you know, it's interesting because I would agree with you. and But then I remembered all the things that he's done. Remember, he tries to act as like a shield to his family. He's, t- he's taken so much poison and assassination hits for his family, and they don't even know. Because he just wants to protect them. And it's like, so he he does have that really nice side to him. And he's kind. He's genuinely kind. He is genuinely kind. And he's a vegetarian. (laughs) Who doesn't? We love plant-based. We love it. Plant-based. I'm a plant-based bitch. Yeah. NorCal. We're we're, we're big into (laughs) plant-based. Love it. Um, but uh, he befriended her when he didn't have to. Yes. When they were kids. Like, he didn't have to be kind to her, but he no. was. Yeah. You know, brought her food and they played games and just had fun and just were being kids. And, I mean, that's that's wonderful. You know, you don't you don't hear that a whole lot either from no. the, uh, a lot of these other... Princelings. Princelings. Yes, they, they are often like, it's just to go back to being kind of beast assholes. for a second. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> it's like, well, you got turned into a big hairy monster because that's who you were on the inside, <laughs> which is totally, again, I love it, but yeah, but, been the, there. but it's nice to see, yeah, see the little lad being, um, for the most part, a good guy. He's got his own games that he's playing and right. stuff but for the most part he's quality well and i think i could see him and ren really doing some good things up there in the north because it seems a little lawless a little scattered mm-hmm. and i think he would like being her consort kind of like jude and Cardin, because right now oak is very adamant he does not want to be the high king He's no. always never, he's never wanted it. He didn't. That's why he put the crown on Cardin's head, right? Yeah, he said, fuck you. <laughs> they talked about that a That's little. That's pretty much what he said. Yeah. <laughs> he was like seven. Yeah. <laughs> um. So I don't know. That could be interesting where they're going to go. Um. It's, it'll be nice to see, again, the reversal of the man in prison falling in love with his captor. <laughs> Well, he's already in love with her, but you know. Yeah, but but uh, yeah, but I I, I take your point. I'm yeah, sure, the rest of uh, the audience does too. It's just refreshing. It's just flip that narrative. It please. is, and you know, and it's of course uh, reminiscent of Jude and Carden in yeah. that, like, yet for a long time there. In fact, for the most part, except for when they were quite young, she actually holds the power in the situation, mm-hmm. and uh, clearly Holly Black uh, values that. Yes, which I concur. <laughs> <laughs> I concur, Holly. Um, so, and now we know Ren basically is like a god. (laughs) Yeah. She can unmake things. (laughs) Like, with just, she doesn't even have to do a spell. She just thinks it. Yeah. She basically woke up and was like, oh, I'm Doctor Strange. Yeah. So how are you going to deal with that, Ren? (laughs) Well, you know, I mean, she's, I hate to, I almost hate to use this word, but I'm going to use it anyway. Okay. She's so intensely damaged. (laughs) It's like, Oak's going to have to gonna have to work pretty hard on her getting yeah. through to i don't know the the juicy underbelly well and now there's a part of me that's thinking about it and i would love her to to be a queen and all of that but i'm also like does she want it because i don't know if i want that for my kids for her and oak 
Yeah. Well, I don't I, know if I want them to be stra- strapped with that. In this case, literally. <laughs> oh, my God. We could not believe she put the bridle on him. No. When when that happened. Bren, like, that, that was so fucked. That is because, I mean, if anybody knows. What it's like to wear that thing. Yeah. Like, oh. That's so, just taking away someone's power completely. There's a little bit there where I'm like, maybe Oak has overpaid a bit. <laughs> but however, at the very end there, he, he doesn't even seem to be that bothered by it. He's like, I just had a bridle. <laughs> I'm not a muscle. Yeah, exactly. I'm not that mad about it. But <laughs> I don't know. But maybe it's because he really has come to trust her. I don't it, know. It's possible. I mean, like, he already, he's always known that that darkness was within her. And yeah. he's clearly loved her for it anyway, in spite of, with it, however you want to put it. Um, but obviously, he's not just, like you said, he's not just reaching for the princess part of it he's actually loves her for exactly who she is really quickly before we go we knew that maddock would be getting up into shenanigans in the mortal world and was he ever he turned an entire apartment building against each other um (laughs) he got a job at a slaughterhouse because he missed blood so i mean you you can't help it if you're maddock like, it's, no. it, you know, it's, uh, it's the Joker saying, like, I'm, you know, the dog chasing the car. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know what I'd do if I ever caught it. <laughs> so I wonder now that he's kind of he's been winged a little. I wonder if Jude's going to let him heal there. or She's going to say, get your ass back to the mortal world to heal up. I can't imagine Jude not healing up Matic. Is she going to let him back? Is she going to lift the exile? I think he may end up being useful to her and therefore then he may be able to stay under whatever specific guidelines she lays out. But though she loves him, she can't forget what he is ever. No, and he could always just rip the throne away from her and be like, sorry, daughter, I love you. Because that's literally what he does. I love you, bye. But I don't know, maybe she could always just throw him back into exile. I mean, I think that would be her preference. But again, like if if there's something that he ends up being useful for, she may decide that she has to keep him around. Yeah. Time will tell. Manda, thank you so much for journeying back to Elfame with me. I'm going to cry just thinking about this beautiful book. And I love these books so much. I know. It's one of those where it's like you finish it and then you're like, I have to read it again. I just want to clutch it to my heart. Beautiful cover. I'm really picking apart some symbolism on this cover now. Um, Anyway, thank you, Amanda. Thank you so much for taking me on this journey back to Elfheim. Where we belong. (laughs) Where we truly are from. I think we're changelings. It's just, it's going to take like, maybe our... We'll have like a midlife crisis and they'll switch us. Sure. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm actually planning one. Yeah. So I'm a very changeling. Yeah. yeah. It'll be fine. I think I need like possibly a sports car. <laughs> and then I Drive will. Drive into Faye. Exactly. I mean, otherwise I'm not sure I can get there on my own. We're going to need some ragwort steeds. So everybody pick up your rag. Is it ragwort? Ragwort? I, th- I think. Yeah. Your horse made out of grass. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. Please keep reading past your bedtime.